podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. I am here today for everybody, not just our patrons. I mean, we rarely do this. We rarely open up our midweek shows, if ever, to the entire public. Um, but we're making an exception today, mostly because we had a high-profile guest, but also um, just just something to treat you all because we are bumping up the, the patron shows to minimum $3 pledge per month. That's going to be happening in May. If you're already in, you're in, you're grandfathered in, don't worry about it. Uh, and for the rest of you, you can still get in for a dollar a month now until May. So jump on the train if you know while you can. Um, but at any rate, fun show tonight. Adam Digby, Juve fan, great football journalist covering Italian football, works for BN Sports 442, among other places. He joined me immediately after the match to talk about this game and I gotta say I was really impressed with him because if you're a Juve fan and you just sat through a cruel finish like that uh, it takes a lot and he was very very good about it and I respect that a lot Uh, part two of the podcast will come up after that interview stick around because I'm going to take a bunch of patron questions a lot of it will get into tactics and otherwise um, whereas part one is mostly just getting the Juve perspective about this game all right, without further ado, here's Adam Digby, Italian football journalist, UFN. Let's go. podcast it is Wednesday night just after a ridiculously dramatic uh, finish to the Champions League second leg against Juventus and joining me is Italian football writer obviously also covers Juventus to a T uh, writer for BN Sports and other places Adam Digby Adam how are you doing uh, <laughs> not as good as it was half an hour ago but yeah it's good do you and I, I, I don't know I before you went into this game, you probably had not m- many expectations. And then this is the way you lost. Does it make it worse to lose like this? Um, I think before the game, I thought, well, I hope that Juve would play better than they did in the first leg. And I fully expected Ronaldo to score. So I kind of got what I hoped for. <laughs> but at the the way that it unfolded, I think, it, it, yeah, it just made it much harder, didn't it? I think if... If Ronaldo gets his goal in the first 10 minutes and then Juve put in a spirited fight back and fall a little bit short, it's it's a different story. But I think you can be really proud of the performance, but like, yeah, you just have to be disappointed in the end because they were so, so close to, to at least extra time. And 
and then if they manage to get another goal, Real Madrid need two, and it just in the cruelest circumstances, really, to 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 concede a penalty when there's no chance whatsoever of a a fight back. Yeah. Um, I think I think they managed to get one ball forward after yeah. the the Ronaldo goal, but I think he, he's always going to score. He's, he's always going to score, uh, and he, he waited till the last second, but he, he still got there. I mean, after the game, he was saying that uh, it felt like an eternity. Like by the time the penalty was called and by the time he was taking it, like his heart rate was through the roof. I almost don't believe him. I think he was—he's just a complete alien. Like you look at his finish, the fin. Like we were celebrating. Sorry to tell you that, but we were celebrating, and then I went in back and watched the replay, and I was like, "Wow, that penalty was—it was actually just perfect penalty, like top corner." Uh, I mean, there's. I I noticed the the clock, um, the 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 game clock just yeah. just before he took the penalty, and it was saying ninety six, and there was only supposed to be three minutes of injury time, so yeah. it was at least three minutes, if not four, of, of standing around and waiting. And uh, watching in Serie A recently, there's been a, a couple of VAR episodes that have affected Fiorentina, um, and their penalty taker Jordan Veritu that used to play for Aston Villa. Um, has missed a penalty against Juve and a penalty against Torino where he's had a a long wait for the referee to review the incident on VAR. Mm. And and that's like a, a, a the game against Juve, okay, there is a, a lot of pressure on a Fiorentina player there, but against Torino in a game that Fiorentina were already winning and, and you could just see how much it affected him and he missed it. And, mm. and tonight where if you miss, you go into extra time and if the other team scores, you need two goals and you've not really come close to getting a goal at any point during the 90 minutes and there's there's 80,000 people watching expecting you to score and millions of people watching on television. And as much as we, we can all laugh and say, yeah, Ronaldo lives for this shit and he wants to just score that penalty so that he can take off his shirt and flex to the crowd. But to to have the the... <laughs> to have the ball to be able to not only take that penalty but to absolutely smash it into the wrong top corner yeah. as a as a right footed player it, it, he's an alien like <laughs> the, 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 there's no other word for it you you watch roma last night and and at no point last night did did messi do anything to to inspire fear into roma and every time ronaldo got with the ball today you you as a juve fan you just panic because yeah. he's always going to score. You you just know that he's always going to score. You can't you can't bully him out of the game. You can't. <laughs> There's just no way of getting around it. Over the two legs, he is the ultimate difference. He he scored two goals, one ridiculous goal in the first leg, and then laid on the third, and then absolute cold blooded penalty tonight. That, that I think, honest, I honestly think any other player in the world misses that penalty. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't think of another player ever that is scoring that penalty. It's it's a ridiculous situation, and he just steps up like it's kicking the ball around with his son <laughs> in his back garden. I in in the most cliche way possible, that's what separates him from others, and I think. Like when you look at like legends through any sport, whether it's Ronaldo or Michael Jordan or whatever, it's that the moment doesn't matter. It's everything is for them is 
they see it in a different way. They they're wired a different way. They they it's it's amazing. We were we were talking about this after the first like um and kind of thinking of ways to throw him off his game if you're an opposing fan or player. And we were thinking like what Juve did, what you know, they kinda of like the trash talking they were doing before the goal. And and that kinda of just riles him up. And then after the goal they applauded him. And I think that actually worked for them because then he missed a bunch of chances for his hat trick so i was thinking of ways where you could throw him off it's probably to like sarcastically applaud him or something or or try to be really nice to him like don't give him any reason to get going um but that the finish was crazy and i know i i, I don't really want to go here adam and i don't know if you do either but we'll just get that out of the way um do you have any issues with the penalty call i i want to um, obviously, in a, quite a few WhatsApp groups I have with with friends, they're getting irate and yeah. insulting the referee and bemoaning the UEFA and everything else. But I think you you look at the penalty and I've watched it back while I was waiting to speak to you. And Ronaldo goes up at the far post for a header against Alexandro, who is the left back, and when he heads it back into the the center of the goal. There's no central defenders there, which, what, what else are you doing at, at that moment? Like, they don't have another striker than Ronaldo. So the only thing that is going to happen is midfielders are going to run into the box. And then Benatia is making a tackle from behind uh, on Vasquez. And I think because Vasquez doesn't get a shot away, you have to give a penalty. It, it's a tackle from behind and as much as he might not foul him and maybe there's a shove, maybe there isn't. I think in, in, if you support any team in the world, if that is your player running into the box unmarked and a player comes from behind and stops him from having a shot, that has to be a penalty, especially in those circumstances. I think it, it, it's, it, it's not even harsh. It's just that if you're in the box to make the clearance it's not even an issue for, that's the biggest that's the biggest problem for me is Bernati and Chiellini and Chiellini is outside of the box like walking back it's what what else are you doing at that moment to to not be right in front of Buffon and clear it away <coughs> Chiellini was immense against Tottenham at Wembley and he was yeah. always there always in the way always making the block always making the clearance um, yeah. and tonight for that for that one minute, he switched off and Ronaldo was right on it, won the header. As amazing as his penalty was, I think the header is, is equal. Um, yeah, it was the, great. The great athleticism that, yeah. to, to outleap Sandro and to place it perfectly for Vasquez uh, is what causes the, the problem for Juventus. And then to have nobody in the box and to have to try and make a tackle from behind it, it has to be a penalty. And it, I don't want it to be, and I hate that it was, but it yeah. it, it just is. It, there's there's no referee on earth who is not giving a a, a penalty for a, a tackle from behind that denied a, a chance to score in the final minute of injury time in a Champions League sem- quarter final second leg. It it just has to be, and then then you have Ronaldo who's always going to score. <laughs> That that one moment which you're referring to, which changed everything for Juventus for obvious reasons, um, illustrates to me 
the margin of error that Juventus had was zero because they went <clears throat> they went into this game, they executed a nearly perfect game plan, didn't concede anything, scored three goals, were the better team. Allegri made a bunch of tactical adjustments, um, exposed Marcelo, Mandzukic bullied Carvajal at the far post, and Buffon was great. Chiellini was great for, to me, 96 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, this, the 90, and, and that one minute left over, that one moment is the moment you speak of. And Real Madrid knocked on the door, knocked on the door, and Juventus, you know, defended well. Their expected goals were even higher. And one moment is all it took to switch off. And that, that, that was it. That's it. That's it. And it's, it, it's those moments, like, it, if you... If you watch, like, Real Madrid are a better team than Juventus. They're, like, man for man, 1-11, to they're a better team. So you watch any press conference from any player or manager where, from the draw until this afternoon, yeah. and all they say, we have to be perfect. They don't say, we can probably get away with making one mistake. They always say, we have to be perfect. And for that one moment, Juve switched off. And you can't afford to do that when... The difference is already there. It's the, it's the same difference that Juve exploit week in and week out in Syria, where they are man for man better than every team they ever face. That at yeah. times that plays into Juve's favour in Syria, and in the Champions League, in the latter stages, when you come up against a, a Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, you, you have to be perfect to to bridge that gulf. Um, maybe the gulf is not as wide as it looked to be after the first leg, but it's still there, and and you need the perfect performance. And and Juve for ninety two and a half minutes did exactly that. But then in that thirty seconds, it's the that's the margin, and 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 that's why they're out. And to see Ronaldo with the the assist in this to kill off the second the first leg and then the header at the far post to win the penalty in the second leg the, those are the moments it's like i i'm a a big nba fan and you you look back to like the the 98 finals jordan's last shot for the bulls against utah yeah. everybody remembers the the pull up jump shot over byron russell he won the game yeah. he stole the ball 5 seconds before that yeah. and brought it down the court yeah. That's Ronaldo's header. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the little things that, that nobody ever remembers. And if Real Madrid go on to win the, the Champions League for the third time in, fourth time in five years, or tenth time in 11 years, whatever it is, <laughs> it's ridiculous now. But when you go on to win it, that, that will not be remembered. They'll show yeah. the penalty. They'll show the overhead kick. They'll score, show whatever goals he scores in the semi-final and the final. And, and and those those moments, that header against Alexandro, that's what makes him so special. That that's what makes him the difference maker in this tie. Like yeah. if if Ronaldo played for Juventus over the two legs, and you swap him for any player you want to choose, even if it's Buffon, it's Juve are winning. It, he's made the difference, and it it's just a killer because you, you can't afford you can't afford to switch off for even a second. Even a second, and that tonight just showed that it, he he delivered with the header, he delivered with the penalty, and and Juve have to live with that. And if you want to make the excuse of the referee, the penalty, whatever, Quadrado not getting a penalty in the first leg, fine, fine, fine. But if if Juve were switched on in the the last 
10 seconds, he doesn't win the header, he doesn't win a penalty, he doesn't get to score the penalty. And and unfortunately for, for everybody, from a, a Juve perspective, they switched off and, and Ronaldo punished them for it like he always will. I mean, there's so many what-ifs, right? Like, <clears throat> there was, in the first leg even, there were two moments that Quadrado had at the end when you guys were down 3 nothing and down to 10 men and Quadrado had two really good chances and that goal would have made a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. On the flip side, if Real Madrid scores like one of their 8 million counterattacks to make it 4 nothing, that obviously makes it easier for them. But you mentioned Buffon, and I kind of just want to say, before the game, there was a bunch of talk of, you know, the Bernabeu should give him an ovation to applaud his career. We're not sure if he's coming back or not. And it's just a bit surreal the way he left this game. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard. It's, it's difficult. But again, he bumped the ref, didn't he? You know? Is that what it was? I wasn't sure if he said yeah. something or... He, he, he bumped the ref. Like, okay. yeah, he's irate. He's emotional. He, he, he's obviously going to be upset that his team has conceded a penalty, but he bumped the ref. And it, mm. again, like, the ref probably didn't need to send him off. It probably, well, it would have really made no difference. Buffon and Chesney could have lined up in goal for that penalty and you're still not stopping it. Um, but... It, he bumped into the referee, whether it's it's accidental or not. He, he bumped into the referee's chest with his hands and he, you're going to get sent off for that, especially in, in such a heated moment where if he doesn't take a, a decisive action, the referee, he's just going to be mobbed for... Well, we're probably still waiting for the penalty now. They're probably still surrounding him and not letting the game go on, but... Yeah. It, I mean, after it, the game in the tunnel, the reports that it, the, you know, they, they was go, it, it continued... Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, it, it, emotions are going to be high after that, aren't they? You, yeah. you think you've got it. You think you're going to. You could tell with Allegri, and Allegri said uh, after the game, he had to make the subs on 60 minutes, or he had to wait for extra time. Yeah. And he waited for extra time, and mm. maybe with 10 minutes to go, he should have rolled the dice and sent on a Quadrado or whoever. But it, it you could tell mentally that. Everybody except Ronaldo was ready for extra time, <laughs> and, and and they were just hoping to play out those last few seconds, and then it, chaos. And it's no surprise that he carried on after the final whistle. And it's a shame because after the way that I think after the way that Juve were big enough to to applaud Ronaldo's sensational goal in the the first leg. It would have been kind of fitting for the Bernabeu to do the same to Buffon, but I don't know. I guess after the first leg, you wrote a piece about um, for the sportsman about you know kind of where do Juve go from here and the way the manner that they lost the first leg. Does yep. the performance today change your change the way you look at it at all? And if so, or if not, either way, where do Juve go from here? I, th I think the the first leg, for me, it, it's kind of hard because it, it's still kind of raw. And I, I don't want to make a, a, a sweeping judgment so close to the final whistle. But I think, for me, it, it, it's kind of twofold. I think tonight, 
Tonight makes me more angry about Cardiff than about the first leg. I think tonight Juve showed that in a one-off game, if they actually went for it and took the game to Madrid, they could have done something really special in that mm. final. But I think the the first leg and and then obviously the final result overall on aggregate shows that the gap remains. And it, it's no surprise that this season it's Real Madrid, last season it's Real Madrid, the season before it's Bayern Munich, the season before that it's Barcelona, who've ended Juve's participation in the Champions League for the last four seasons. The gap the, the gap is real and, and Juve need to to do something about that. It's fine to to sit there and, and look at... I, I'm not a person who's going to get bored of winning the league. I think every time Juve win the league, it's fantastic. It's it's an occasion. It's a, a remarkable accomplishment to, to finish top every single time. Um, but if, if you want to win the Champions League, which the, the team very, very clearly do and the club clearly does and the manager clearly does, you need to... You need to invest heavily in that, and you need to to gamble and go for it, and you need to to spend some serious money. I think you look at at tonight in particular, and Iguain, yeah, he didn't score, but I think he had overall a very good performance. Uh, he sacrificed a lot for the team. He worked really hard. I think Pjanic was fantastic today, and I th- I think Douglas Costa was probably the Juve's most dangerous player. And it, it, it's no surprise that they're the three most expensive players in the team. It, you get what you pay for, don't you? And and Real Madrid are a testament to that. Um, if, if you spend money, you, you get rewarded for it. And I think every team who's left in the Champions League has, has obviously invested heavily in their team. And as much as you might laugh at Manchester City or PSG for going out there, they obviously started a long way behind these big teams um, and had a lot of ground to make up. And I think because of <laughs> because of Calciopoli and being in the, the second tier 12 years ago, Juve have a lot of ground to make up too and that that gap still exists and, and they need to spend a, a fee or fees in keeping with the biggest clubs to in order to compete with those biggest clubs because that's the difference maker. Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the world's most expensive players ever yeah. and he makes the difference. Gareth Bale, okay, not today, but Normally, he makes a difference. Zidane made the difference for Real Madrid when he first went there. Higuain has made a difference for Juve. So has Douglas Costa. So has Pjanic. It's, it, it, and then you look at the rest of the team and it's they waited a year to sign Blaise Matuidi rather than pay a, a larger fee for him. They got Sami Khedira on a free transfer. And, and for me, those are the, those are the differences. It, those, those players are not getting into the Real Madrid eleven. You could You could maybe argue a case for Pjanic or or Acosta but the other the other players certainly are not and, and, and that's the difference it's it's sad but I think everybody wants to to earn success rather than buy it but the, the way that football is that's just not realistic anymore is it and and Juve have, have long hammered home that the fact that they they have the advantage of the, owning their own stadium that none of the other big teams in Serie A do and that, that they're the difference that makes financially, it's, it's kind of time that they put that to good use, isn't it? And I think the past two summers with Iguain and Pjanic and Costa and Bernadeschi, they've begun to do that. And, and that needs to continue because without that kind of, that level of investment, you, you're simply not going to be able to compete. And, and, and that's always the, the killer is 
Real Madrid have more weapons than Juve. Yeah. So do Barcelona, so do Bayern Munich. It's hard, but it's just reality. I think, I mean, there's always this fine balance of, you know, looking looking over your finances, making sure you do it right, and making sure you stay competitive. I think the reality is, I think Real Madrid fans are generally worried for the post-Ronaldo era because the problem is also it's hard to buy a player like him now because who is the next best after Ronaldo and Messi? Like, you have De Bruyne and Neymar and Salah, and they're even a level below, and it's like, and it's almost, I, I feel, Adam, like, Ronaldo and Messi kind of skew our reality. It's like, when they retire, I feel like think there's like going to be like a collective sigh of relief for everyone. <laughs> like, okay, our standards are not that high anymore. We can get past these guys without having to worry about, you know, Ronaldo not caring if it's 95th minute or the first minute. I, but I just quickly, before I forget, you mentioned <clears throat> Douglas Costa. He was so good in this game. Like, he had seven completed dribbles. I'm just checking the stats now. And if you ask me, like, if you ask a Real Madrid fan how they all felt collectively when Douglas Costa had the ball and he was running through us, it was terrifying. <laughs> uh, so he played really well. Like, I, I don't, like, he must have been a standout for you. Or was there anyone else where you can kind of just be like, you know what? The whole team, like, kind of, you can, you can hold their, they can help, hold their heads up high. But is there any other standouts for you other than Douglas Costa? Um, yeah, I think I think Higuain had a good game. I, I, he didn't really get a chance, um, other than that the one at point blank to that Navas made a fantastic save on in the first leg. He he was kept really quiet over both legs. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, obviously he made a couple of runs that opened up some space for Mandzukic for his two headers, and and that's great. And maybe you expect a little bit more for ninety million euros, but. I think he had a good game today. I think he, one of his better performances. I think he he made a difference, and he he clearly did his best in the the circumstances. I think I think Pjanic had a good game in central midfield. I think he he kind of bossed the midfield area and and made it difficult for Madrid to either play through it. And then when Juve had the ball, he was always careful in possession and made some very incisive passes but obviously Costa is a standout because he, he's so dangerous and he's so much more direct than anybody else that Juve have I think even Dybala is guilty at times of, of overplaying and being a little bit languid and slow in, in, in taking the ball into dangerous areas but Costa every time he just he gets the ball he turns he knows where the goal is and he just puts his head down and goes towards it and you can't really stop him he, He's superb. I think a couple of times Madrid did really well to to crowd him out and push him wide when he wants to drive into the middle. Um, and and he is a, he's lethal, isn't he? He's you, you can tell he spent a lot of time training with Iron Robin at Real Madrid. The the way that he cuts in from the left every time, yeah. but you still yeah. can't do anything about it. It's yeah. it's frightening. And he he gave Marcelo a torrid time the whole <laughs> night tonight. And that and that's not easy, you know. Like people. You want to you you want to criticize Marcelo for for not being very good defensively, but he's very rarely caught out of position, and he very rarely looks looks troubled in any way. He's more obviously concerned with getting the ball and going the other way, and that, a lot of that stems from the fact that he knows that the guy at the other end he's got him in hand quite easily. But he, he looked worried tonight, and he he didn't press forward the way that he usually does, and he had to he had to kind of stay home and and do his job, which he's he's not used to, and. That took him out of his comfort zone, and 
and that's an immense credit to Costa to to unsettle a player like uh, Marcelo, um, who's probably the left, best left back in the world, and he was made to look quite ordinary tonight. And that that that's that's an incredible accomplishment in itself. Um, I, and Juve need more players like that. <laughs> yeah, game game changers essentially. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, do you? I'm going to let you go soon. Uh, do you have any concluding thoughts that you want to leave us with? Um, I don't know. It can be anything. You're just emotions or otherwise about how you feel or where you want to go from here. But just something to to leave us with. I, I think um, I, I hope that the the club looks at the the difference that the first leg made and the the gulf that was very clearly evident there, rather than thinking, ah, oh, yeah, in the second leg we we were close. We we're not that far away. A couple of breaks here and there because I think. In order to win it, you need those breaks to go your way and you need the quality. And I think tonight, those breaks, yes, went Real Madrid's way, but their quality in the first leg made it that they only needed one thing to go in their favour tonight. Um, and I think we saw in Cardiff and in the first leg that the, the gap is huge at times. If, if everything clicks for Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich, that, that gap is massive. Um, and Juve need to address that. Um, I, I think slowly they've started to and, and my hope is that they continue to do so because the, Juve have won the league six years in a row it's probably going to be seven um, but I think you, you look at the, the very best teams now and, and people are already saying it about Guardiola and Manchester City without that Champions League it, it, it's kind of irrelevant isn't it like is it any different to PSG storming their league or Porto storming Portugal or yeah or or even even Manchester City we're saying it now and we we can say it about Barcelona in La Liga if if Barcelona win the league by 20 points and Real Madrid win the Champions League again Real Madrid's <laughs> accomplishment is is greater it, there's not even a question like Barcelona would swap that all day long so would Juve so would Bayern so would PSG so would Manchester City so this team, the the group of players who've been there the whole time, and and this era of Juve, even though there's been a lot of changes personnel-wise, and even the manager, it it kind of needs that that icing on the cake to to be remembered as a truly great team because that's the yardstick you're measured against, both from a Juve's history point of view in the the two eras that they've won it before, with Real Madrid now, Bayern, Barca, even Manchester United. That's the, the the ultimate measuring stick. Are you the best team in Europe? No. Well, okay. Thanks for coming. Try again. Yeah. Um, and and for me, the, the the final thing that I think you have to mention tonight is Juve fans, like Real Madrid fans, get a lot of grief for kind of being glory supporters and jumping on the bandwagon. But I think to the the way that listening to the crowd tonight to to go to the Bernabeu trailing by three goals with nobody giving you any any yeah. hope of winning. They were and, fantastic. And the, the volume that they made and the the pride and the passion that they put into that, that yeah. 95 or oh, 92 no and a half minutes tonight. It, it it's fantastic and uh, and that more than the more than winning 3-0 and then losing at the last minute. The the noise that the Juve fans made and the 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 passion that they took to that stadium and the belief that they had that more than anything else, that makes me proud to be a Juve fan because I, I know full well from being there and going to games and, and seeing people who actually care about the club that 
that that's the way that the real fans are. And yeah, like any big club, we have our plastic fans who complain about this and that and stop going because you've ever been knocked out of Champions League or whatever else. But that at the heart of it, there are some some genuine supporters who will go and sing their hearts out and back the team for for ninety five minutes in the the most unbelievable circumstances in the most difficult stadium to go to in Europe and with no hope of getting a result and they're still there and they're still out singing 65,000, 70,000 Real Madrid fans. It, that's incredible to me and and that that that, that is my ultimate takeaway that, that the fans were brilliant. Like, whatever else. Yeah. You they do have some real fans like like any big club does but they, they never really seem to get the credit for it and it's always the, the little teams who don't win much who get the credit for that but they're, they're still there if you know where to look. They were tremendous. And I, your point about the <clears throat> kind of the measuring stick of where we see teams successful or not being Champions League is, is so bang on. And I have one of the Barcelona journalists, Diego, who I regularly record podcasts with. He he hates this because Barcelona have been so dominant in the league and he really feels like no one cares because they just because Real Madrid have just overshadowed them in the Champions League in the last like five years. And uh, it's glorious for me because, you know, Real Madrid really switch off in the league. It requires a very certain amount of consistency that Real Madrid just haven't shown the desire to, to put in the effort. But in the Champions League, it's like they really feel like that tune, like it, it takes them to another gear. And not many teams can do that. And that, like, if we look at this, Adam, like 50 years from now, we're like, historians are looking back on which teams are good. That's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at the European runs, and that's it. That, that, that's exactly it. And you look like Ronaldo with 15 goals in the Champions League already. is It's, it's insane. Like, there's teams in, the, yeah, in this competition who don't have 15 goals. And <laughs> he just, every week, bang, bang, bang. It, it, it's insane. Um, now you're making me really worried that Roma are going to win the Champions League and nothing you've <laughs> done in the past six years is going to matter for anything. Thanks. I'd be okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> Um, look, Please well, not come out in the semi-final. Well, I, I forgot to ask you about that, actually, really quickly. Do you think what, what Roma did yesterday, do you think that factored into Juve's belief or no? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you look at, in under normal circumstances, going to the Bernabeu, trailing by three goals, you, you have no chance, but it's impossible. But it's not impossible because Roma did it yesterday. Yeah. And I think I think it also played into, into Real Madrid's mindset a little bit I think when Juve got the second goal you could kind of see that oh not us as well and I I, I turned to my to my wife at, after the the second goal and I said do you remember when in the Players Tribune Gerard Piquet was talking about the the WhatsApp group that he has with his Spain <laughs> colleagues where they yeah. just give each other shit and I'm yeah. thinking the Real Madrid players will have been giving him so oh, yeah. much I'd last night and then, right yeah. and, and then oh no we're going to do it too it's like no um but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think it factored in, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think for sure you could see it on both teams. I think it kind of gave Juve that extra belief that, that it is possible. And I, I think it also played into Real Madrid, Ronaldo aside, obviously, um, that, 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 that they could do that extraordinary. And I, I think I think the, the one thing it did do, uh, not to drag this out even longer, but I think the one thing it did do is it, it probably scared Zidane into doing something at halftime because 
Barcelona mm. didn't do anything, and and they thought, oh, we'll be fine. We'll just we'll pull it out in the second half, and mm. they they carried on, and it it got worse. I think Zidane making the double substitution at half time kind of hinted at that that he felt the need to to make a change and do something. And I think he he obviously started Gareth Bale tonight to to try and give him some confidence back, but. When it came down to it, he wasn't afraid to to make the hard decision and take him off at half time to to kind of shake up the team and ultimately it it paid off, didn't it? Vasquez Vasquez won the penalty and yeah. and then Ronaldo scored. It it, it it took quite a long time from the the substitution to the goal, but ultimately that one of the subs he made paid off. And I think it, it that result last night and. Um, the Barcelona coach not doing anything drastic to to try and shake his team into a, a reaction probably factored into Zidane's thinking, and I think he did very well to to not be to not shrink in the moment. Just like Ronaldo, I think Zidane stood up and was counted tonight as well. Um, before we let you go, where can people find your work? Uh, um, the the best place is probably to to get me on Twitter or on Facebook, which both you can find me from just my name, Adam Bigby, um, yeah. at, at adz77 on Twitter, um, and I, I put links to anything that I write on there. And I'll probably after I've had a sleep, I'll probably write something about this game, and 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 try not to cry. <laughs> you're gonna you, you're gonna sleep well tonight, you think? Uh, maybe you know, maybe. sip on it, and you'll, you'll you'll have a fresh perspective in the morning. Yeah, probably yeah. so. It's, uh, you, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the circumstances are heartbreaking, but I think yeah, yeah, you hold your hand up, look at the first leg, and at Cardiff too, and think it, you got beaten by a better team. And as long as Roma don't win it, it'll all be okay. Adam Digby, thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it, and I appreciate you also doing this uh, during the manner that you lost. I know it wasn't easy for you, but maybe it maybe it helped you just kind of talk about it and get it off your chest. I don't know, but either way, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Uh, no problem. You can't just sing when you're winning. <laughs> Take care, Adam. Thank you. No problem. Cheers. Okay, welcome to part two of the Managing Manager podcast. Um, we are about to dive into a bunch of questions. I hope you enjoyed part one with Adam Digby. Again, uh, fully, fully respectful um, and really kept his cool and was very level-headed. Not that I expected anything different, but I, I just, you know, to sit through that recording immediately after post-game, after you put in a heroic shift and uh, you lost in like the 94th minute or whatever it was to uh, a penalty, that's got to be tough. So kudos for him coming on the show. <clears throat> Part two, we're going to get into some of the nitty-gritty details of the match, and we're going to let the patron questions dictate it. Some of them will be rapid fire. Some of them I'll just read out loud because I've already discussed them. Um, and a couple of them were left over from the Atletico game, which we didn't get to. And by the way, for those of you who send in questions after we're finished recording, obviously we can't do anything about that. But if you're a guaranteed patron, we tend to carry them over to the next podcast unless um, we really feel like we've already answered it. But otherwise, I'll try to carry them over or at least respond to you directly on Patreon somehow. Um, <clears throat> by the way, it is crazy. So I'm, but I was completely oblivious to all the things that people were saying about this game until after uh, Adam and I finished recording and I was just putting the questions together. And <coughs> I, I quickly did a glance on Twitter uh, made the mistake on checking certain comments on certain platforms. And I couldn't believe the sheer amount of people who really 
didn't didn't see that it was a penalty and i don't know what they're watching i don't know if they only saw a certain angle i don't know if it didn't fit their agenda to state otherwise you can say what you want that's a penalty i don't care what minute is in, it's in so if your if your argument is yeah maybe it was a penalty but not in that moment a foul is a foul i don't care if it's the 96th minute of the first minute that's the reality and by the way no one talking about east coast goal that was incorrectly ruled for offside don't don't give me all this salt, please. I've already had had to turn my phone off from all my salty salty Kool-Aid friends, who just can't bear the sight of us um, being successful. I so I, I turned my phone off, and uh, <coughs> Lord knows, Lord knows what the state of the notifications are. First patron question from Jeremiah Rogers. He says, "Who would you least like to face in the semifinals?" Bayern, Liverpool, or Roma. Uh, Liverpool counter scares me with our issues with transition defense. Okay. Liverpool is someone that I had a red flag on before the quarterfinals started. And everybody was ranking their teams. And as you know, and those of you who listen who are patrons in that podcast, when I ranked teams one by one and who I like to face... Liverpool, to me, were higher up, or sorry, teams that would least like to face. Liverpool, for me, were higher up than Barca. I had City, I had Bayern as teams I wanted to avoid, and I had Liverpool as third. And the reason was because I've watched enough of them to know what they're capable of, uh, and I've written enough about them, I've studied them enough to know what they do and what they are in big games. Say what you want about them in small games and what Klopp, like, you know, struggling to find their consistency in the Premier League. <clears throat> in big games they've been good and I, I wrote about this twice for 4-4-2 once before the game about how much trouble they're going to give City and once after the first leg when they just steamrolled them and what they can do to unnerve us are as follows the Firmino, Salah and Mane trio up front is one of the best in the world and not only are they <coughs> lethal offensively but they can press really well. And we saw it against City where they basically took Fernandinho out of the equation and they forced City wide to the flanks and snapped out all their outlets. And Firmino is insanely intelligent without the ball. And by the way, when they re- when they retain it with their Gagan press, uh, they, they're deadly. They retain it in very dangerous positions and all three of them are very good positions to take advantage and and score or or create some danger. I don't like the idea of Casemiro in that situation. Uh, I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that they would, they would be difficult by the way, as is, as will any, any opponent be. Um, I'm not saying they'll be first, but I, I did be second on my list. So I'd want to avoid Bayern first and foremost. Then I want to avoid Liverpool and then Roma's third. And all due respect to Roma, um, who I had to go through that Barca-Roma game this morning because last night I only caught the last 20 minutes because I, I decided to watch the City game instead. Same with the first leg. I didn't, I didn't watch it. Um, but when I went through it again this morning, my God, Roma actually blew them out of the water. And it wasn't even close. And uh, that was special. And ton of respect to them. If you ask any fan in the world, they're going to have Roma last there. 
and uh, you, I can't blame any of them. There's a, there's a reason for that because because they're the the third best team from this list. <coughs> but again, it'll all be difficult. Ryan Jones says, in the past we've singled out Ramos for seemingly upping upping his game for Champions League fixtures. But when I saw Cristiano subbed off midway through the second half of a 1-1 derby, I was wondering if, if from the top down, do we as a club put too much emphasis on the Champions League? Does a return leg at home with a 3-0 lead really trump a derby by that much that you sub out your best player that early? So, obviously this is one of the leftover Atletico questions, which I think we already addressed, Ryan. But if if you want to know our, our thoughts on that particular instance with the Ronaldo sub and kind of me, um, and Gabe, we, we all had similar but slightly altering views on it. And, uh, and, but it's, it's towards the end of the podcast. You can go back and listen to it. Thomas Berg says, Oh dear, how is it even possible to choose to stand surrounded by all yellow screaming players for five minutes and then bury it in the top corner? Is he human? No, he's not. I think we've already established he's an alien. And this alien narrative that I pushed around, I, I see people using it more and more often, so they've definitely bought into this extraterrestrial theory that I have of Cristiano Ronaldo. That's one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of the of part two when I was saying like, I couldn't believe all the comments and stuff that I went back and, and saw that people had. Just furious that Real Madrid won this game, or advanced at least. The reaction of the Juventus players was just crazy and i think it's i like buffon getting sent off kind of sad the way he went because kind of a classic guy i felt bad for him after the game i saw him and ronaldo hug it out in the mix mix zone uh blaze matuidi in this game was a complete hothead and whether it was his push on modric in the first half for no reason, like off the ball, just going at him. Like, first of all, you don't put your hands on a god like that. I don't like who do you think you are? And second of all, after the game ended, you can go back. There's a video on it. I don't know. Just just search it on Twitter or online. Uh, Matuidi after the match or whatever. When Real Madrid players are celebrating because the game is over, he goes over to Ronaldo and starts fighting with him and pushing him and totally just unacceptable. And then. I, I don't have an issue with Juve players trying to throw Ronaldo off on the penalty. That's fair game, completely fair game. Sports psychology, getting in people's heads, completely. I would question the the decision to do that because I feel like that just makes Ronaldo more mad. And I feel like with each insult you give him or whatever, he's going to make it that much more accurate and powerful and put in the perfect penalty. Um. I wonder, I, I just, I can't, I understand it's a very heated moment to go out of the champions like that, the way they did. If they all just wait to get to the tunnel and see the replay before they act like idiots, it makes more sense to me. I don't understand why they why they can assume that it wasn't a penalty without having any replays to their disposal. But I understand it was a heated moment. But anyways, the question was about Ronaldo. Yes, he's, I, I've never seen anything like it in this sport. And I don't care. And then, it was funny listening to Adam Digby uh, talk because he was almost like the the anti Diego. For those of you who listen to Chudros y Tacticas, uh, one that he it admitted it was a penalty, 
where uh, Diego is, is was not happy on my WhatsApp. And uh, his point, Adam's point about Messi not showing up in Champions League knockout rounds is actually a really underrated topic, but we won't get into it. But yeah, Ronaldo, just, just unbelievable, the ice in his veins. Another question from Thomas, he says, what happened with our lineup? Why did why was Bale starting over Benzema to partner Cristiano? Clearly, this game was perfect to roll out a four four two, with Benz up top and having Bale deeper to cover the flank and be the lethal Bale he still is. Why is Zidane so stubborn with Bale up top? You've discussed this so many times. Isn't it time to call Zizou and ask him? Uh, on the serious note, what does he see that we don't all get? Um, so. When I saw the lineup, I had a very similar... For those of you listening to the Atletico postgame, uh, my comment about I was excited to see Bale in the lineup and the personnel because it looked like a 4-2-3-1. I was also not excited because I knew it actually probably wasn't that at all and Bale was going to be isolated as a, as a kind of just too high at the pitch. Was rectified a bit in the second half when he shifted to the left, but we all know the best version of Bale, you know, can't keep repeating the same thing every podcast. The best version of Bale is deeper on the flanks, two-way winger, more involved, more touches on the ball, uh, can create from deep or make make runs. You can't play off the shoulder of a team that forms a defensive barricade. It's just impossible. So I obviously the if, if Zidane wanted to go with that Benzema element he would have brought Benzema on because it's not like when Zidane made the subs we shifted to a 442 of any sort it was still Ronaldo up top on his own and I thought he was dangerous like Adam said that every time he got the ball it was terrifying for them because you just felt like he would do something and he played really well uh and I like him in that role <coughs> I think in the first half uh Bale was fine. He looked isolated a bit. He he maybe didn't have as, as much touches and like, you know, the stats prove that when you go back and look at the first half stats after the game. I like what Lucas Vasquez brought to the table. I thought maybe I, I I think the Asensio for Casemiro sub was more urgent than the the bail for Lucas sub because I don't know if Lucas changed the game that much. Um but maybe he did, you know, like he worked really hard. So I have no complaints about it. There's another question about this exact thing coming up, but uh, I'll, so I'll save it for that for for that part. But I think that Zidane going with Bale in this game was the right call. I guess I was surprised with the short leash he had he had for Bale, and I still kind of am baffled about why Zidane plays him in this role where we're not getting the best out of Bale who is a very specific type of player, and you kind of can't just throw them throw him anywhere, you know what I mean? Blake Brown says, well, we won. Uh, we didn't make it easy, and sure didn't look good doing it for all of Zidane's tactical greatness. Uh, I thought this might have been his worst setup of the year. I know we were playing with the lead and kind of laying low, but come on. Worst of all, the halftime subs. I don't mind Asensio and Vasquez, but the timing of it... Why did he pull Bale so early? He was just getting into the game. Also, Casemiro, why weren't we trying to defend the lead? Um, why did we pull off our best defensive midfielder? I have defended Zidane all season, but I think this was poor managing today almost cost us the game. Okay, so I think there was a few things we can look at here. One, the way Real just set up, which was kind of, we, as is always the case when we look at the lineups, we're not always sure what it looks like, but it was kind of the diamond, but also Isco, 
he roamed a little bit, but also stayed central to the left, where he kind of usually hovers in this in a in a so-called diamond. But Bale predominantly was on the right, so it wasn't really a diamond either. And Kroos was kind of on the left, and Modric was a bit deeper. And again, you have your two best defensive, or sorry, two of your better defenders on the right flank in Bale and Modric, and uh, and also and. The flank where you're a bit weaker, whereas Marcelo defensively, you only have Kroos and Isco's not defending much. And Kroos was also playing a bit higher pitch like he did against Atleti. And so that immediate imbalance always always affects Marcelo if he's pushing high up the field. Because we talked about the asymmetry of this diamond scheme and how Carvajal has more help than Marcelo does, which makes no sense because Carvajal is a better defender. Now, having said that, Allegri's plan to basically go and feed it to the right flank where Marcelo was, or many times this game actually wasn't because the coverage wasn't there for him, uh, and then hit a far post ball to Mandzukic to take advantage of Carvajal aerially. So... There's a few things, and this kind of ties into Blake's question about the subs at halftime. On the first goal, Carvajal has a choice because Real Madrid are caught in transition and Varane is marking somebody. There's It's a two-on-two in that situation at the far post. There's Carvajal, Varane, Mandzukic, and another Juventus player. I'm going to assume it was Higuain, but I could be wrong. So Varane has the interior marker. So when the ball is coming in, Varane has the has the, the nearer post. Uh, and then Carvajal has Mandzukic out wide, but instead of tracking Mandzukic out wide, he follows Varane and double teams the inner guy, leaving Mandzukic open. So there was the goal, and there was the first mistake. <coughs> the second goal, Carvajal just had no answer. He was in position, he was out-muscled, he, was, he just got dominated by Mandzukic. And it's funny, because Carvajal is generally always, he tends to be involved in the most heated duel of the game, whether it's Di Maria or whether it's Diego Costa uh, or I don't know who else. Like, But he always seems to have that matchup and it's always fun and he usually gets the better of his opponent. In this particular game, he had some misplaced passes. He uh, had his hands full with Mandzukic and I'm not sure if... Anyone would say he got the better of Mandzukic. I definitely don't think so. By the way, can I use this opportunity to say something? Mark on English put out some halftime ratings and for on Twitter. And for Carvajal, they just put, put the poop emoji. And Carvajal replied with a, a poop emoji for Marca, saying the poop emoji is actually greater than, the greater than symbol than Marca. And then Marka replied saying that he basically got owned by Mandzukic. And then they deleted the tweet. But I was thinking, like, man, if you had any connection left with the club, you just ruined it. You can't just talk shit to Carvajal on Twitter directly like that. Anyways. <clears throat> one of the ways that... One of the things that I think Zidane rectified by taking Casemiro off for Asensio... Casemiro, there's two things he rectified in my opinion. One, Casemiro had a lot of trouble dealing with Juve's press. He, classic Casemiro game, he did a few really good things, good tackles, good interventions, and 
just could not escape a Juve press and misplaced passes in really, really dangerous areas. And um, I'm going to pull up my notepad in a sec, but it's not that his passing accuracy overall is bad. Like that's not what we're, what we're looking at generally, but when you look at Casemiro with the eye test, the context is what are the passes he misplaces? And they're almost always in key areas where if he loses the ball there, that's it. Realms are suffering a really dangerous counterattack. And that was the case in this game. So when, when Zidane brought on a sensor for Casemiro, he was able to stretch the field a little bit, kind of get rid of some of the congestion in the middle of the park and uh, allow Real Madrid to hold possession a bit, but also give an extra dimension in attack and a bit of more of a technical presence in midfield. And uh, <clears throat> by the way, the most in the 28th minute was the, the, the most noteworthy Casemiro mistake where that really was like a dangerous giveaway where we almost conceded from. And then, uh, and by the way, you always expected goals were were two point something and so like they had it was higher than Real Madrid so it's not like they just defended and were dangerous on the counterattack they they also had legit chances and they were thoroughly deserving of being up 3-0 when they were <clears throat> the other thing that Zidane rectified by bringing Asensio on was helping Marcelo with coverage so if you look at this game and you rewatch the second half you'll notice Asensio actually drops in behind Marcelo quite a bit with with the ball, without the ball. And that gives Marcelo some relief defensively. Not only that, immediately when he came on, Asensio picked up the ball and injected a bunch of flair on the left flank and made a difference and gave Juve something else to worry about there. <clears throat> and let's not pretend like... <clears throat> this is also a weird game where like everything that had to possibly go wrong for Real Madrid did. Like let's let's go back to the beginning. <clears throat> Juve scored an early goal. Real Madrid dominate possession and much like the game against Atletico, they have they knock on the door quite a bit. Their build up is okay, uh, but they just they couldn't break through. And then Isco scores a goal that was incorrectly ruled offside. Varane hits the woodwork right at the stroke of halftime and you have a bunch of chances in the second half especially when Juve hit their third they basically went into a shell they didn't force the fourth goal at all because they knew it wasn't that urgent and they could nick it on the counter if needed and they defended and they they went into Atletico mode um, but probably a bit bit stronger than that but they they were suffering They it's not like it was a walk in their park for their defense like they suffered and we made them suffer and on another day we probably it doesn't it doesn't look as nervy as this but just the way it unfolds like everything that could go wrong did and that's the way but not not taking anything from Juve who also defensively like they were very good the first half especially I liked their press a lot uh they made it difficult for Varane and Vallejo to find vertical outlets on the back and so they did they did their job really admirably but yeah to answer the questions about substitutions I think the vast the Asensio for Casemiro sub was great. It took balls to pull off, but he did it, and kudos to Zidane for doing that. I think the Z, the Bale Vasquez thing could have waited. I think Bale was was fine generally, but who am I? And on that note, Chris G says, "Why does Bale get so much hate? 
he's always played out of position, doesn't play too bad, but he gets blamed for everything that goes wrong for us. Yeah, I didn't know Bale gets hate until my halftime video when I was on Facebook, as I always am for the you know for halftime shows. And a bunch of the comments on my video were were about selling Bale and Vallejo, which uh, I don't even know how to respond to that, but that's just crazy talk. Essa Hariri says, Okay, I really like Vallejo tonight, especially his vertical passing, which Kian talked a lot about before. What do you think? Yeah, so ironically, <coughs> um, his vertical passing is definitely one of his strong suits. And I think every time he got the ball in this game, he looked vertical, which was important. Um, so many times he just had to find another solution because there were no vertical outlets, but he always would look vertical. Like he wasn't shy of doing that. And he's a very good passer. Um, the commenta- commentator noted a few times that Vallejo looks nervous. He kind of did look shaky at times, um, but I don't know if there's anything he could have done that would have changed the outcome of the match. Like he wasn't really at fault for anything here. And also, by the way, he did have the best passing accuracy of everyone on the team. He didn't have that many passes, like compared to like a Kroos who is like prolific and he he's consistently the one probably the guy who touches the ball the most, but also has the most passes in the game. So he like had a hundred compared to Vallejo's forty. But Vallejo's 40 was actually still a pretty high number, like considering, uh, you know, Varane was 65, and, and but he misplaced more passes than Vallejo. So his passing generally was fine. He didn't get the ball that much. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about Vallejo, and I still am after this game. <coughs> Sheikh Hatiri says, I can't remember the last time a team lost 1-3 at home while playing this superior. Interesting perspective. He also says there needs to be a health study on whether Real Madrid fans have a lower lifespan. And three, I love Marcelo. I really do. He is one of my favorite players and the greatest left back in the history of the game. But what measures should we take to cover for his defensive shortcomings? P.S. Stop with the bail hatred. It isn't his fault that Zidane plays him where he cannot perform. So someone somewhere, I don't know if it was a patron who said it on one of the non-guaranteed questions or if I saw it on Twitter but someone said can we basically should we sell Marcel and replace him with defensive left back clearly the solution is not that because no matter how uh, frail Marcelo is defensively and how naive he is there his offensive contributions will always outweigh that because he is arguably the greatest ever at what he does offensively from that position. He revolu- he has revolutionized it. The solution is not to replace a player like that with a more defensive-minded one. For the future, yeah, maybe when Marcelo retires or he goes past his peak. For now, the solution is to give him better coverage, and that's it. Like, you can't, on his flank, you can't put Tony Kroos and a Roman Isco and expect that to be the coverage, and then... Casemiro, who is doing a bunch of things, or Vallejo, who is very good at doubling up on the flanks, and we know that with his time in in uh, with Frankfurt. But you can't leave him out to dry, and I can't say this enough. I it's crazy that we don't find a solution to this, knowing exactly 
how Marcelo is and how important he is on the team. We just have to give him better coverage. That's it. It's very simple. This is, by the way, this is why, this is why, exactly why we asked Gareth Bale to be a left winger starting consistently in that position because he is the best two-way winger we have. Uh, I, it's just crazy to me that we have a player like Gareth Bale and we're just not using him. Like He would be starting anywhere else. And if you just give him confidence to play his game, he's a world beater. And that's all I'll say. But I did. I will say that Asensio, I think, did a really good job with that in the second half. <clears throat> Jahan Watson says, wow, wow, wow. Question for the podcast. Is it possible for more mere mortals to attain Ronaldo's level of focus during that whole penalty sequence? I don't know any mortal who can do that, but I'll also say that we need to compare Ronaldo to immortals, which we don't have much of a sample size at this point. Anton Hackberg says, could you talk about Lucas's amazing ability to drop penalties for a moment? He's very good at it. Um, I'll tell you this, that penalty was 100% a penalty. Um, and if he sells it in any way, he sells a legit penalty, but he does it discreetly. And that's an art, if, if that's what he does. But, you know, some players are good at... I'll say this... Uh, when it comes to football, Canadians, I drove Canadians nut with this, nuts with this because I was very good at embellishing contact. There's a huge difference between a dive and an embellishment. And if you embellish properly, and it's a natural reflex, by the way, it's not something you really fake, uh, you can do it really well. And Lucas Vasquez does it well. And to me, that's just uh, clever, really clever. Question from Leon Stavronakis. He says, wow, just wow. I was very frustrated with how Bale is being misused. I can only imagine how frustrated he is. I'm guessing Zidane uh, is trying to get Ronaldo some scoring help up top, but it's just a waste of an incredible talent. I hope you will see the light, but the fact that he was subbed rather than repositioned does not give me much hope. I agree. Uh, secondly, Leon says, I do have some hope, however, that perhaps Zidane is now realizing that Casemiro should not be a regular or big game first 11 player. We have much better players and options, particularly if we're not playing the 4-3-3 anymore. This is potentially big, not only on the field, but off the field, but but also for the offseason. Casemiro's automatic status was a big reason we did not have enough minutes for James, and the same has been happening to Bale, Isco, and Asensio. Your thoughts on these two issues? Uh, I don't know if he affects Bale, Isco, and Asensio, but I do... It would only affect him if Zidane decides to not play with an anchor like he did in the second half, which I am a fan of because I don't. I like the idea of a traditional anchor. I also like the idea of being versatile with your scheme, and I love the idea of the four-two-three-one and double pivot that's surrounded with a packed midfield and pacey two-way wingers. So I do like the idea of playing without an anchor in that sense. So in that sense, yeah, someone like Hamas would have been affected, but. We all know that the only way to fit in your best front six players, which are uh, Ronaldo, Bale, Asensio, Isco, Kroos, and Modric, it's to play that version with a 4-2-3-1. Question from Anthony Vasquez. He said, should this be a satisfying win for Real Madrid or should we be worried heading to the semis? It's a relieving win for Madrid. Satisfying, I don't think it was necessarily satisfying. 
But having said that, I think we all went into this game knowing all we have to do is avoid losing by three goals, which became really scary at one point, obviously. Um, not least because UA actually tied the score on aggregate, but also because they basically put themselves in the position where a fourth goal would have sur- uh, surpassed our away goals and made it four and means we had to score two, which was which really was a terrifying situation. And by the way, that last minute hoof from a goal kick or whatever it was, uh, I think it was Chesney, he must have been hoofing in the, in the box and there was a moment there for like 10 seconds that was like, this is terrifying as well. Because if they score here, that would be be heartbreaking, obviously. Um, what we should be worried about is, can we learn from this? Can we learn from the defensive mistakes we've had? And come up with solutions to rectify not getting caught in transition? Can we learn from... And by the way, we got away from it towards the end in the second in the first leg as well where Juve had a few dangerous counterattacks despite being down a man and we did as well we didn't finish like I said to Adam we could have been could have been five nothing in Turin but it could have also have been like three one or something we need better coverage for Marcelo we but again like I don't think we were terrible in this game like I think it was a bit overblown how we played I think a lot just went wrong and everything that could have kind of did and that was the reality and but our offensive build-up wasn't bad um especially given the way Juve defended I, I didn't have huge nits to pick I do think that Modric was really good in this game I thought Kroos again a bunch of touches all important Carvajal also obviously struggled a bit. Casemiro struggled a bit. But um, I do think generally we were okay. And I think if we can just figure out how to choose or or figure out a way to find vertical outlets a bit better, we'll be fine. Um, Bayern obviously will make that difficult for us. Vidal is uh, having a tremendous season and he's very good at, you know, kind of both covering for the fullbacks but also joining the attack because he's very quick and he's a very good central midfielder. Hamas obviously very much in form. A lot goes through him whenever he's on the field. But as long as we can kind of rectify our build up a bit, you saw as good as Juve pressed, there were moments when Modric and Isco were able to bypass it and as soon as they did, and you got behind the Juve's lines, there was a ton of space to work with. And Isco was the main threat in that situation. I think he played well. There were moments like people might complain that he was slow, but you know what? I think he did really well. And any time he did slow down was generally because he had no vertical outlets. And that was why. So yes, there are things to be concerned about, but there are things to be excited about. And generally, I think there's a reason why we're this far. It's because we deserve to be here. And if it was this easy... Uh, everyone would be in this situation year in, year out. There's a We have enough sample size to know it's not luck. We deserve to be here. If you look at our expected goals over two legs combined, we, you know, we are the deserved team to beat Juve. Like, it, I understand it was difficult. It was very nerve-wracking and uncomfortable and not a great performance, but it also wasn't as bad as people made it out to be, and we deserve to be here, and that's the bottom line. And... um good teams also like this is PSG now Juve and uh, who knows who will draw in the semifinals and will be easy but 
I'd say there's more to be excited about than to be nervous about because none of the the teams in the fi- in the final four showed signs of not being vulnerable. Sevilla really made Bayern suffer in the first leg. Liverpool, um, City were able to solve a lot of their problems in the second leg against Liverpool, and very harshly done by because their second goal just before halftime should have counted, and that would have changed things. So let's not pretend like that other other teams are perfect either that's the other thing <clears throat> that was actually the last question so if any questions come in i'm sorry it's after i finish recording i will go back and if there's anything i feel like wasn't addressed i will respond to you personally on patreon and uh and uh we'll take it from there so congratulations to Amadidisa's Eighth straight Champions League semifinal. Crazy number. It's never happened in the club's history. Enjoy it. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy this era. Even enjoy it today um, because this goal from Ronaldo will actually be something that we'll talk about years from now. And so enjoy this moment. Enjoy all of it. And before I let you go, quick patron shout outs. Shout out to all of you amazing patrons. There are a ton of you now. And uh, actually, to be exact, there are 384 of you, I believe, is the, is the latest tally. And shout out to you guys specifically who pledge $10 or more because one of your rewards is you actually get a shout out on the podcast. Thank you for making this show possible. Thank you for putting um, money back into the show, investing. Now all three of me, Gabe, and Om uh, have Yeti mics, which are kind of the best around. We've been able to get buy software to edit the program edit the show and uh, we'll continue to grow the show thanks to you so shout out to Nick DeStefane Fred- Frederick Sundros Leon Stavernakis Bjorn Salvador John Fernandez Said Mahad Sergio Monleon Redbat Anthony Vasquez Yahya Ibrahim Nick Ribeiro Eric Rogers Sheikh Atiri Ian Marley Dan Berthy Jahan Watson Selvin Adolfo Chamali Perez. Wow, new one. Welcome, Selvin. Uh, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obeyed, Solomon Ortiz, Jeanette, Jeremiah Rogers, and Daniel Smith, who gave us a very generous pledge. Uh, we appreciate you, Daniel. Thank you so much. You guys are all amazing and the real MVPs. And uh, we will catch you probably Sunday for another show. Love you all. Kian Sobani signing off. And Hala Madrid. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes. Enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. 
One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sports Social Podcast Network.